Welcome to The Tech That Connects Us, a podcast dedicated to the stories of leaders in the technology industries that bring us closer together, specifically content and media, satellite and news space, connectivity and cybersecurity. Your hosts are me, John Clifton, Laurie Scott and Will Trenchard, the founders of Nuco, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm focused on these exact industries. We love being a part of them and we're excited to share these stories with you. Welcome to The Tech That Connects Us. Your hosts today are me, John Clifton, co-founder of Nuco, alongside Dan Jeffrey, one of our key consultants in the connectivity sector. And we're delighted today to be joined by Shuba Srinivasan. Shuba started her career at HCL Technologies as a project lead and spent 19 years there as she progressed to delivery unit head for data center systems, software and cloud. And in 2020, she joined Robin as their Senior Director for Customer Success. Welcome to the show, Shuba. Thank you. Thank you, John. So to get the story started, we love to go, I guess, kind of right back to the beginning of someone's kind of journey or story, if you will. So how and why did you get into what we kind of term the connectivity industry? Yeah, so by connectivity industry, I presume you're talking about the telecom industry. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So that's an interesting question, right? Like since my uh, career, even when I was a technologist, I was deeply rooted into networking, right? I've built network drivers. I have designed network stacks uh, for one of our customers, Unix kernel. And I was a network uh, programmer by design and by choice. Then I pivoted to uh, the data center space, which involved some level of um, networking, but not a whole lot, right? But nevertheless, in the data center space, I was soaked into infrastructure, right? When I say infrastructure, I've always worked at the heart of servers, storage, and networking, right? And then one of the interesting turning points was when I moved into, um, you know, virtualization and cloud computing, right? And that helped me in this uh, space, tagging along with all the technology developments that was happening in the industry. And that is what landed me into Kubernetes as well. And and in Kubernetes, one of the interesting things that has always happened was, how do you apply Kubernetes to telecom, right? How do you apply Kubernetes to uh, the evolving technology such as 4G and also 5G, which is purely container native, right? And so this career journey of being in the infrastructure space from day one and also in the networking and the telecom arena and the platform space has really helped me to ride the technology wave. And today I'm finding myself in the heart of, uh, you know, the, the, the convergence of two mega trends, the cloud native and 5G. Mm. Really interesting to, to, to hear that intro and, and how kind of things got started. So um, passing over to Dan for, uh, for a few more questions around the past. Brilliant. Thanks, John. Um, what or who has been the uh, biggest influence on your career so far, Shiva? So the biggest influence on my career has always been my, um, you know, uh, people that I have worked with on a day-to-day basis and mostly the people that I have reported to, right? My bosses, I would say. I mean, and all of these have been interestingly men. Uh, you know, when I was actually, um, even if there were moments when I took a backseat in my uh, career, they would always push me up to the uh, next uh, challenging role. And they would always make sure that um, you know, I got the uh, the best of opportunities, the most challenging opportunities, and have always helped me grow. A person that influences me 
on a day-to-day -day basis inspires me is my current boss at the CEO of uh, Robin, uh, Partha, though my association with him is just for a couple of years. I mean, the inspiration that I have got is phenomenal. And outside of this, some of the female leaders that have inspired me a lot are, you know, leaders like Sheryl Sandberg and Indra Nui. I, I draw a lot of inspiration from both of them on a day-to-day -day basis, observing them, following them, reading their books, etc. Perfect. Brilliant. Uh, and what are you most proud of um, in your career to date? So the most uh, proud of, uh, I mean, I'm proud of two major accomplishments, right? When I was back there in HCL Technologies, I was landed or given an opportunity in Bangalore where a business unit was virtually non-existent. We had around 20 uh, people. And in a record time of two years, I grew that business unit from 20 people to more than 200 people. Right? And it's still running. I handed it over uh, to the next you know, leader and I, and I moved to the US to, to take over a global role as uh, you know, the head of accounts and the head of business unit. But, but the Bangalore business that I grew is a very, very proud um, moment for me. And that laid the, I mean, that was the cornerstone for everything that I was able to accomplish um, in the last uh, three years. And then the second is, uh, like you know, joining Robin as a as a account spoke for Rakuten, and then being able to pivot and grow to the head of customer success is another proud accomplishment for me, which is a recent accomplishment. Right. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant, perfect. Uh, and you mentioned um, earlier on about working at the convergence of two technologies. Now, um, what do you think the industry can learn from the past? So, what you can learn from the past is that. Uh, you know, every uh, every decade, right? Every decade or every uh, seven to eight years, there will always be a technology that comes in that disrupts the trend and disrupts verticals. You know what I mean? It disrupts businesses. It changes the way businesses have been uh, doing uh, the work, right? Cloud computing is one such thing. Though virtualization was a major technology, it was cloud computing that went on to disrupt the way businesses would offer their services to customers, right? For example, the way applications are consumed, the way you build automotives, right? The IOTs, et cetera. Cloud computing was one such disruptive technology which changed everything. And today I feel that uh, Kubernetes, right? Is, is another uh, one such very disruptive technology which is going to disrupt or, you know, which is going to disrupt two or three other major trends that we are seeing in the market. The number one is going to be AAML, right? Kubernetes is just going to completely disrupt AAML and it's going to make AIML the heart of every business. A few years from now, there's not going to be any business that does not use an intelligent AAML stack to take business decisions, to take everyday changes in course correction, et cetera. So AAML is going to be big. Like when I say big, it's going to be huge. And Kubernetes is going to make it affordable, reasonable, and day-to-day. -day. That is number one. The second one is healthcare. Right? Again, Kubernetes is going to completely disrupt the way healthcare operates. Right? More of automation, more of intelligence, less of accidents, et cetera. Again, powering on uh, the low-cost uh, you know, enablement that uh, Kubernetes will do for analytics and intelligent decisions. The third one, you know, one of my favorite topics is going to be, you know, how you're going to disrupt uh, the gaming industry, which is the mobile, right? Your mobile 
is going to be able to stream anything that you want. And especially the major disruption is going to uh, happen across the amount of work that you will be able to get down, uh, done on your handheld. And that is going to depend a lot on uh, the backend network, right? The intelligence of the network, the network automation, the network efficiencies, the zero downtime, the SLAs that you're able to deliver, where again, in being able to deliver both the intelligence as well as being able to you know, deliver the automation, Kubernetes is going to do a major uh, play. So to summarize what I just said, I see Kubernetes as a major uh, you know, disruptive technology that is going to change the way AIML, that is going to change the way healthcare, and that's going to change the way networks are being used to offer services to customers. Brilliant, brilliant. So we, we've heard about your career and progression there, uh, and you've also led it quite nicely um, from the past into the present. So handing back over to, to John for some more on the present. Thanks, Dan. So, <clears throat> I mean, I, I think the um, all, all industries have been, have been affected by what's happened over the last 18 months. And I think one of the biggest impacts has been a, a massive acceleration in a whole host of, of different technological areas. So kind of zoning in on, on, on I guess, kind of the, the, the telco space, what's your, what's your view on the current state of the market? So the current state of the market, uh, John, what we are observing in the last two quarters, right? There is definitely a rebound. No doubt, you know, 2020 was, was bad for all of us, right, in terms of uh, business, the customers were very finicky about making buying decisions. The, the buying cycles took really long. But what we are seeing now is that that trend is changing, right? We are seeing major uh, buying interest. The caution is being dropped and, uh, you know, a lot more meetings, a lot more uh, interest in uh, learning about the products and definitely the buying power is back, right? And I only sense that from now till the next 18 months, the IT industry is going to be on a rocket ship, right? All the growth that we didn't see, we will again see a rebound. And this is going to have a, a, you know, a, a domino effect on other markets too. For example, uh, the outsourcing industries that we have generally seen flourish in uh, countries like the BRIC countries, like you know, India, uh, et cetera, they are also going to see a revival too. So the services industry is also going to benefit from this. I feel and I believe that the next 18 months will put our IT industry back on the rocket ship. Mm. I expect growth. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and I wonder whether, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's so many elements of the technology and you touched on, on a couple around Kubernetes already, but I, I wonder whether you feel that there's any particular, you know, areas of technology or, or, or particular tech stacks and at the moment that, that you feel are most relevant and most prime for that kind of rocket ship growth, as, as you mentioned. Okay, so anything and everything that the hyperscalers are doing, right? Like whatever the platform play, that the guys like Amazon's, the Googles and the Azure's are focusing is the in thing, right? They are going to dominate much of the trend, the spend, and the way in which they will steer the market, right? So platform play is going to be huge. Kubernetes is going to be huge. Cloud computing will continue to be huge, all right? Uh, SaaS, I mean, being able to offer um, anything as a service will continue to dominate uh, the market. 4G and 5G will continue to flourish. There is nothing that you can accomplish without a good network. AML is going to be anything that is connected to the AIML stack, all right? 
analytics and ml and i also believe that iot will also pick up all right i mean because though people do not believe in um, iot it didn't take off right now i believe that all the intelligence will move back into the edge devices and you know technologies that are certain centered around the edge um, right will also pick up uh, stream did that answer your question yeah no it absolutely did and and i think that kind of leads us nicely into some of the ring, things around the future we've touched on some of them but i know dan's got some uh, some more specific questions so passing back to dan perfect um, you mentioned already a fair bit so far, um, Shiba, around Kubernetes. Um, where, what do you think the, the kind of future holds? I know you touched on those kind of three three areas um, uh, earlier on. In particular, um, in the within the kind of AI and ML space, where where do you see the future for for that? You mean where do I see the future for Kubernetes? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So there is not going to be an AML stack that is not deployed on Kubernetes, right? At least ninety percent of uh, the workloads that are built on AAML will be hosted on Kubernetes. And let me explain to you why, right? Uh, see, unlike other technology stacks, AI and ML, right? ML is actually as a service. The technology is constantly changing, right? It is not one application. It is a combination of multiple applications or what we call as an application pipeline that is stitched together to deliver an AI or a machine learning as a service. You do not want to be logged into one uh, technology stack, right? You want to be able to have the flexibility of uh, being able to combine different stacks and adapt it for the use case. That is number one. The second thing is that the integration with DevOps is going to be extremely critical. The reason is that there is continuous innovation and development and uh, you know improvisation that is going on uh, in AAML, right? AAML is like a feedback loop. You derive certain analytics, you pass it back into a system, you do improvisation, you pass it back into. So it is a process of continuous development. And if you get lobbed into one technology stack, one infrastructure, that is like this giant gorilla, which is difficult to move, you're not going to be able to give AIML efficiently. Your results won't be accurate. Your predictive analytics is gonna fail, right? So this is where AIML plays, I mean, Kubernetes plays a major role because the way Kubernetes is designed is that it is very flexible to change your deployments. Yeah, it is nothing is logged into the infrastructure. That nothing is logged and sealed into the infrastructure, right? You're able to continuously move around the pods. You're able to continuously move around the infrastructure. You're able to use the same infrastructure and build any application. All this, you're able to integrate with the DevOps stack and be able to move this in a matter of a few hours or a few minutes rather than days that it takes to disrupt an existing infrastructure and offer something new, right? So my prediction is that there's not going to be an AAML stack in the future without Kubernetes at the bottom or as the platform. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Uh, and in terms of um, Open RAN as well um, within Telco, where, what do you see the, the sort of challenges or the potential barriers are in the market at the moment uh, or potentially in the future as well? Yeah, yeah, so the barriers currently in the market are, um, you know, in terms of adoption, right? What we have seen is that there are two, there are two schools of RAN implementation today, right? If I can take a name, the likes of VMware that are going completely proprietary, right? Continuing with the proprietary implementation. And then there is the rest of the industry that wants to do 
completely open, right? Now, the moment you say open, great. It allows you flexibility. It allows you a set of loose uh, standards based on which you can implement, right? And there are also standard bodies like, uh, you know, Roma, uh, which is sponsored by Facebook that are, are coming in, that are trying to set some method into the badness, right? In terms of defining a stack, in terms of defining KPIs, in terms of designing functionalities, etc. But that is at a very um, nascent stage, right? It's not yet mature. So the industry is actually watching, right? Waiting for the open RAN to mature a little bit for the standards to be defined so that the adoption rate can uh, pick up easily. So right now, the challenge that we are facing is in the maturity of the stack itself, right? There are more watchers than adopters. And in the future, right, once the, the, all the technology players come together, like there are some major players that are putting the sponsorship uh, behind this market, right? For example, the Verizons, the Ericsons, all the major players are there, right? The, the challenge that I see in the future is that it is for actually the operators to choose um, the right kind of, um, you know, open run implementation. My fear is that there are going to be more uh, choices and that could actually bring a battle for the price, right? Which is not really an input for uh, the end users that I'm talking about, but more from an operator's point of view, right? You know, it's going to provide a challenge as to which is the right technology, the, the, the metrics are going to come down to performance, the metrics are going to come down to efficiencies, and that could also have a huge impact on the price play. That could um, be a challenge for operators. Yeah, you know? yeah certainly, certainly. Uh, and what impact do you think it could have on me as the end user? So I think the end user, um, you know, for the end user, all this is going towards one thing extraordinary customer experience, extraordinary, um, you know, mobile or, you know, in internet experience at a much, much lower cost, right? The speed and the efficiency that you're going to be able to see the apps that you're, the, the performance of the apps or in terms of what you're able to do with your phone for a cost that is, you know, throw away or even free, right? Is the benefit that you will get. Yeah, so your super. life is going yeah, to get a lot simpler, yeah. you know? Just one device, extraordinary <laughs> performance, not expensive. Yeah, perfect. You're perfect. Really yeah. able to do a lot more with your phone. Definitely. It's it's scary. It's scary. Even looking back, kind of the, the, the phones you had five or mobiles you had five five or ten years ago. Um, yeah, it's scary what the, the latest technology can do for, for sure. Yeah. So um thanks for that. It's been really interesting to get your insight on um the, the past, the present, and also the future. Um our next section is something that I think we can all agree um is something to address um as much and as often as possible in the market. Um and that's diversity. So I'll pass back over to John. Yeah, thank you. So, um, Shubha, I know that you recently um, joined the leadership committee of uh, the 50-50 um, Women on Board. So, I, I was wondering, could you tell us a, a little bit more about what your role entails there? Um, and also, you know, what some of the steps are that the group is, is aiming to undertake in order to, to achieve that goal? Yeah. So, the, one of the, I mean, um, extraordinary leadership boards that exist in the Bay Area as well as, you know, across the U.S. is the 50-50 uh, leadership board for women. So we are all here together, joined hands with one mission, right? We want equal representation of women in the boards. Simple, right? And that doesn't stop with 
uh, just the Fortune 500 companies, right? We want representations across the board. So what 5050 board does as, um, you know, as a responsible organization, they go, they take stock of every famous company that is either IPO or going for an IPO that is public listed. They go do an extensive study of their diversity practices and they actually give a scorecard, right? And the scorecard, to be able to get a good scorecard with 50-50, you need to have women on board. It's not just enough that you have one woman on board, right? They are actually pushing for, uh, you know, a ratio of 50 or more in terms of, you know, uh, women, women of color and, you know, women of, um, you know, the LGBTs also to be able to be given a fair chance and a representation in the boards, right? That is one. They do this as a continuous um, initiative. Now, the second step that they are doing is that they are coming up with multiple conferences, which is going to happen from the October to the December. And this is happening pan-US, right? The pan-America. And what they are planning to do is get across women that are interested to be as representatives in the board, eligible women that aspire to be in the board, and companies that aspire to have women leadership on their board together, and to be able to act as a conduit, create opportunities so that the companies can pick, pick the right women for their board representation. And they plan to accomplish, um, like, you know, a, a massive target, a goal of being able to convert at least 100% of the companies that participate in the conferences to walk out with eligible women candidates as representatives in their board. Right, so those are conferences that are coming in. And as a volunteer and as a member of the leadership committee, I'm calling for donations, I'm calling for a woman to join, and, and I'm working to make these conferences a success across East, Midwest, and you know, West United States. Oh, fantastic. And, and in, in relation to the, um, yeah, I love the scorecard idea and you know, giving organizations a bit of a yeah, benchmark, I guess, if you yeah. will, of, of where they're at. Um, yeah, are there any, and it's so difficult to single out, you know, one or two particular things, but are, are there are there a couple of practical steps that you think organizations could implement in order to get themselves on that journey? Because I think one of the challenges some organizations have is they're aware that something needs to be done and they're aware of perhaps, you know, a goal or a quota that they'd like to achieve. But when they're you know, starting out in that journey of, of, of working out how to get there, it, it can be a bit daunting, particularly if they're not very diverse, at the, you know, at the outset. So are there a couple of, um, you know, simple you know, implementations that you think organisations can do in order to get themselves on that journey? Yeah. So the first and foremost thing that I would suggest, um, John, is that there needs to be one diversity champion in the, in the leadership committee of the company. Right. I mean, it could be the CEO, it could be the CFO, it could be anybody. But if they do not have an extra person that they can dedicate for diversity, somebody needs to own the additional responsibility of being the diversity champion for that a particular company. And they need to have very specified goals given to them. Right. And their performance should be connected to those goals. Right. Like in terms of, you know, are you are you doing enough to spread a culture of diversity? How is your company talking? Are they talking in more, more in terms of male gender oriented language? How is the company conversing? Is there a culture of diversity that is being followed in your language, in your recruitment, um, in, in the stuff that you send out as messages? So those are all 
number of things that has to happen culturally inside the company to 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 you know uh, to get everyone on board the importance of a diversity in that company right without the organization coming together and agreeing to this as a culture in recruitment the lower level mid level senior level recruitments diversity will not happen because we are not asking for diversity just at the senior level as a vanity metric where you will go and tell people oh i have people in the leadership committee that are of other gender too no that's not what we want we want diversity at the lower level mid level uh, the senior level board level right that is number one the second thing is that at least today i mean what i have observed is there are so many organizations that have raised their hands out there to help companies to hire uh, you know leadership level um board level women i mean because we are talking about diversity and women being a less number of representations there are so many organizations that are doing this as their full time business there are both ngos as well as there are recruitment companies that do only senior hires and senior hires in the women uh, space right and there are also other companies that offer uh, you know recruitment opportunities for women there are so many conferences that we all do conduct on a regular basis where we bring up a lineup of uh, aspiring women candidates to raise their hands uh, for the jobs so what we encourage all these companies to do is have your diversity champion talk and work very closely with these organizations with these organizations that run with diversity as their only reason for existence right and they do conferences um, they do have these women uh, looking for jobs in their websites there are senior recruitment companies there are recruitment companies purely for women it is very important to have a tie up with these uh, companies and work very closely uh, right to make these goals accomplish fantastic fantastic listen I, and I, i i think that's a couple of you know there's so many different things that can be done there's so many bits of advice bits of guidance but i think though those two things if people were to just single out those two things i think they could they could make some significant strides so so thank you very yeah. much um so we we're, we're going to pass back to dan to learn um a bit more about you outside of work we uh we gleaned a couple of a uh, couple of bits before we went on air so uh passing back over to dan mm-hmm. Brilliant, thanks, John. Um, so uh, as John says, we're we're a curious bunch, um, uh, and we'd certainly love to to learn a bit more about um you uh, and what your your perfect weekend looks like, Shuba. Okay, um, so I'm an entrepreneur by heart, uh, right? I mean, uh, so I'm basically a people person. Anywhere where people are, you can find me, um, right? And uh, that's what I love to do, and that's why I'm in the customer success business too, because I naturally I like to be among people. right and one of my passion um, you know on the entrepreneurial space outside of what i do for work is in the food and the gaming industry right i come from a family of uh, restaurateurs my grandfather was a ran a chain of hotels and right now i am managing that though remotely these are based out of india and i manage a chain of restaurants and then i launched a gaming cafe a board game cafe uh, which uh, helps teenagers right mainly i'm focusing on students and teenagers um, to be able to take some time off and really socialize when i say socialize socialize without gadgets uh, you know uh, come and play build some strategy learn about entrepreneurship learn about money all this is possible with board games you know there are board games today that can help you make money understand money 
understand business, understand strategy, right? These are all very important skills. It's not enough that you have a college uh, degree, right? So we, I'm on, uh, so I'm on a mission to set up, um, you know, as many board game cafes as I can. Though I have only a couple uh, right now, so my perfect weekend goes managing this business, discovering more about board games, talking to entrepreneurs that make board games, and you know, planning for my next moves, right, in terms of growing this business because I'm really passionate about putting a game on every table. You know, that's what I always say. You know, putting a game on. Um, every table, a dining table or a friend's table or a coffee table, you need to have uh, some board games and, you know, learn life through uh, games. So I, I spend all of my weekend just doing that. You know, I don't do uh, movies at all. I don't even have a Netflix account. I don't know what happens in that space. Uh, so my weekends are dedicated for my, uh, for my passion. Fantastic. Very good. Very good. So we're going to we, we're going to see if we can learn um, a little bit more about you through doing um, uh, six or seven quick fire round questions. So so we're going to kick off. So if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Um, it would be in in California, of course. Oh, very good, very good. And um, what is your uh, your favorite vacation destination? It's any mountain, right? I love uh, mountains. So my favorite vacation uh, destination would be uh, in the Swiss Alps, right? I have been dreaming of going there, spending time in the Alps, but I haven't found the time. So that would be my uh, dream destination. It's a fabulous place. You must, you must definitely go. You must definitely go. Um, what makes you laugh the most? Um, you know, any silly jokes, I can laugh very uh, easily. But what makes me laugh the most is the silly pranks that I do with my younger son. All right. I have a lot of fun playing pranks and of course, spending time with my friends. And, you know, when I'm in a light mode, you know, whatever anyone says can actually make me laugh. All right. Very good. Very good. Now, this one might be a little bit tricky because you said that you don't have a Netflix account and you're, and you're not a big movie person. But let's see if you can rack your brains. What was the last movie that you watched? The last movie that I watched, um, I actually uh, saw the Godfather series again, just for the kick of it. Right? Yeah. Not a movie, I know, but yeah. <laughs> Well, it's a good one to revisit. Very good one to revisit. Um, now, this is um, uh, this is a very relevant one. So we touched on the various board games, which is clearly a big passion of yours. So what is, and I'm going to ask you to single out one, what is your favourite board game? Cash Flow. All right, very good. Very good. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love Cash Flow. Very good, very good. <laughs> Um, and uh, would you rather ride a bike, ride a horse, or drive a car? Ride a bike. Um, and the last question, if you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? So it would be an Indian buffet, like, you know, where all the Indian curries and, you know, dishes are sweets. And I have a major sweet tooth, so I will go straight to an Indian buffet. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm salivating at the prospect. It sounds absolutely <laughs> delicious. Uh, well, listen, thank you very much for um, uh, to learn a little bit more about you and, of course, all the insight that you've passed on. It's been really fantastic. So just passing back over to Dan for our final question.
Brilliant. So um, what one piece of advice would you give to someone uh, entering the industry? So um, the, I can't just give one advice, all right? I mean, I, I can, sorry, I talk a lot, so I will give three advice, right? <laughs> so the number one thing is to be extremely knowledgeable and be the best in one particular area, right? When people think about you, they should be able to associate a word with you, right? For example, John, recruitment, the best recruitment, right? So that one word you should be known for a specific skill. It could even be brooming the flow, but your name should be the one. You should be the best and the most knowledgeable at it, number one. Number two is go for the big kill, right? Go for the fences, every major risk, every major challenge, right? Don't think, don't overthink. Nobody ever made it big by playing small, right? It will be okay. Just go for the big kill. That's the only way to live. Be audacious, be brave. The third one, give yourself a lot of limelight. Nobody is going to come and put the limelight on you, find you. Yeah, if you're, you're lucky if you have a sponsor that is famous, that is big, but not everyone gets that. You need to be telling the world about you, your passions, not in a boasting way kind of a thing, but never shy away from, um, you know, telling the world that you exist, that you exist for a purpose, you're known for a purpose. And please, please don't be shy, uh, you know, doing all the great work and then not telling the world about it. That's, that doesn't work. That would be my three pieces of advice. Well, uh, I know we only asked for one, but those are three fabulous bits of advice. So thank you very much. And thank you very much for having, uh, for joining us on the show. It was a real pleasure to have you. Yeah. Thanks, John. And thanks, Don. I, I hope I was off. I know I was able to share some good insights and good luck with your podcast and also your recruitment. Let's talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.neuco-group.com. You've been listening to The Tech That Connects Us.